The queer review of Die Another Day continues in part two with a look at the Allies, aka the Friends of Double O Dorothy, featuring many of the Bond regular family, as well as a new person played by Madonna. Verity doesn't like cockfights, which is a pretty clear indication of her preferences beyond the sporting arena. Although her speech is full of innuendos that give Bond a run for his money, such as, I see you handle your weapon well, there's not much reading between the lines required here. She describes her protege, Miranda Frost, as gorgeous and asks Bond what he thinks of her. It's a pretty positive representation of a lesbian character. Bond and Verity appear to have a cordial relationship going back some time. One can easily imagine them sharing confidences with each other and perhaps expressing their mutual appreciation for women they both find attractive. The philosopher Jacques Lacan once controversially claimed woman does not exist because she does not have a phallus, the source of all meaning for all of mankind. He meant a symbolic phallus rather than a literal penis, but he perhaps gave away a bit too much when he asserted that, quote, woman's sexual organ is of no interest, end quote. This understandably poses something of a problem for lesbians, such as philosopher Judith Butler. While there are some feminists who claim ditching the phallus entirely is the way to go, and who can blame them, Butler calls for women to queer the idea, creating a lesbian phallus, quote. Is this what Verity is doing, in an almost literal sense, by being so adept with blades, a domain typically dominated by men? Is fencing a gay sport? Lesbian-centric platform Autostraddle thinks so, in a tongue-in-cheek list of, quote, the sports that made you gay, they ranked fencing at 13 and of a total of 28 sports. A possible historical precedent for Verity is the late 17th century, early 18th century swordswoman, Julie Daubigny, who had no compunctions about clashing swords with men, wearing male and androgynous clothing and taking both men and women to her bed. Daubigny also had a highly successful career as an opera singer. While Madonna is yet to tackle opera, the actor is such a high-profile star that you can't divorce what you know about her from her character of Verity as you watch her in Die Another Day. What drew Madonna to the role of a lesbian swordswoman? On the one hand, she has been accused of queerbaiting or playing up to the lesbian fantasies of straight men. The year after Dying of the Day, she caught a controversy by kissing Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera at the MTV Video Music Awards. And in 2021, she was criticised by some after she drew a comparison between her on-stage same-sex kissing and that of openly gay artist Lil Nas X. But many gay men are keen to observe that, right from the start of her career, Madonna has sought to raise awareness of gay issues and has campaigned very publicly for gay rights. Wherever you stand on the debate, 
You can't argue that she is a gay icon. Madonna's iconic outfit in the film is a croc gilet made not of real crocodile, but made to look like it. One of the creators of this piece, Patrick Whitaker himself, told me it was crocodile embossed vegetable tan leather. Along with his partner in art and life since 1985, Kia Malum, Whitaker created several pieces for Die Another Day. On the From Tailors with Love podcast, Whitaker described himself as a closet Bond fan and was an early member of the James Bond fan club. So it was a dream come true to be on the set when Madonna was shooting her scenes with Pierce Brosnan. When I asked Patrick Whitaker if he considered it to be fetish, he told me, quote, I don't know if I would consider it fetish gear, mainly because we presented it as a fashion in the first place. It was in Elle magazine years and years before she got to wear it in the film. Some people would consider it fetish gear because they just do think anything which is black and leather is like that. Of course, it does have that about it. I guess it's up to the individual to decide. The newly promoted Q, latterly R, has been cooped up in the underground for quite some time. And all that entails, perhaps. See the discussion of the underground in part one of this podcast. Perhaps it's not surprising that he's been trying to perfect gadgets which hide in plain sight. This includes the Aston Martin Vanquish slash Vanish and a glass breaking device which is worn on the finger traditionally reserved for wedding rings. As acknowledged in Q's dialogue when he says, One pane unbreakable glass, one standard issue ring finger, twist so, voila. Is Bond supplanting a wedding ring in favour of a gadget? Confirmation of his confirmed bachelor status? Confirmed bachelor was an offensive euphemism for a gay man throughout the 20th century and it survives in some contexts up to the present day. Men who avowed their single status were viewed with suspicion. Is it any wonder that so many decided to get married to women to shake off accusations of homosexuality. From a purely storytelling perspective, it makes sense for Bond to wear the sonic agitator on his ring finger. Social codes concerning men's dress would make wearing the ring on any other finger conspicuous. It's still not considered normal for most men to wear jewellery beyond a wristwatch and a ring on the third finger of the left hand. Wearing a ring on your thumb is a popular queer signifier, particularly if you're a woman. According to queer writer Daisy Jones, who has noticed a tendency for fictional as well as queer women to wear thumb rings, quote, Thumb rings haven't always been a fashion item. In fact, for a long time they were intended as protection attire for archers, so their thumb pads didn't get worn down by the bowstring. Their history then lies in practicality, so it should come as no surprise that, in more recent years, the thumb ring has been widely adopted by lesbians and queer women. I'm actually wearing a thumb ring right now." To what extent has marriage equality challenged the social conventions of ring wearing? Is it too soon to tell? Although there is some evidence that same-sex marriages have existed in many civilizations throughout history in some capacity, they have only had legal parity with marriages between men and women very recently. 
In 2001, the Netherlands became the first country in the world to certify marriage between two people of the same sex. Belgium and two Canadian provinces would follow in 2003, with the UK lagging behind until 2014 and the USA the year afterwards. Therefore, when Die Another Day was released in 2002, there were no conventions, really, beyond those borrowed from heterosexual couplings. In 2012, gay and lesbian wedding pioneer, as she describes herself, Catherine Hamm, the founder of GayWeddings.com, summarised the state of things. Quote, In the early aughts and prior to the legalisation of same-sex marriage, some chose to use the ring finger, next to the pinky, on the right hand for the engagement and or wedding ring because of its resonance with, but difference from, the traditional heterosexual symbolism. Others, however, embraced the traditional practice of using the ring finger on the left hand. Some preferred to use other fingers or symbols, like the same non-ring finger, while others matched rings but selected different fingers altogether. Because LGBT couples have had no roadmap for our ceremonies in the past, we have been able to choose the symbols most meaningful to our relationships. Where you decide to put your ring carries a lot of meaning. By making the ring fit Bond's ring finger, for which he must have been sized up beforehand, has Q weaponized Bond's bachelorhood, complete with its homosexual associations? It's not just M and Q who head underground for their queer activities. Moneypenny heads down there for a virtual reality tryst with 007. While this scene is controversial for some, I've always viewed it as a fitting climax, as it were, to Moneypenny's narrative trajectory in her Samantha Bond incarnation. In Goldeneye, Moneypenny Major Bond knew in no uncertain terms that she doesn't wait up for him. In Tomorrow Never Dies, she's complicit in having him pimp, pump, himself out for queen and country, without a hint of jealousy. The world is not enough shows her rejecting Bond's phallus substitute, a cigar, because she has no need of it. All the time we sense the attraction between the two of them is mutual, but Moneypenny would never want to get entangled with Bond's train wreck of an emotional life. Die Another Day allows Moneypenny to have her cake and eat it. Bond provides the inspiration for her solo sex session without him realising it. There are some who view the scene as problematic for its apparent lack of consent because Bond does not know his image is being used in this way. But maybe this is just me. How is that any different to someone finding inspiration in a photograph of someone they are attracted to or in their imagination? The scene is incredibly prescient. VR pornography did not exist in 2002, but it does now. I see this scene as an emancipatory moment for Moneypenny, especially because female masturbation is still not frequently depicted on screen. Journalist and author Lucy Jones, writing in The Independent, said, quote, in 2020, it still feels unusual and notable to watch a scene of female masturbation on screen that isn't included to provide erotic interest for a character and audience. It still feels radical, still, to see 
female autoerotic pleasure without the requisite lingerie, candles and soft core aspect. Autoerotic pleasure then as experienced by the majority of women, end quote. When Moneypenny is shown enjoying some time to herself, she does so fully clothed in her workwear. It's a quietly revolutionary moment for any film, and especially a Bond film, which often makes a mockery of solo sex. Yes, the scene is included for its comedic qualities, but it does not demean Moneypenny, at least in my eyes. Even if it is juxtaposed with the supposed real sex, the implied intercourse, of Bond and Jinx in the very next scene. Simply put, Bond films, or at least the character of Bond, don't see masturbation as real sex. Masturbation is usually stigmatised by its omission from the films. But Dying of the Day does feature a fairly explicit illusion earlier in the film. Reuniting with Bond in the Ice Palace, Jinx says, So I left you in an explosive situation. You're a big boy. Figures you could handle yourself. To which Bond replies, No wonder your relationships don't last. It could be argued that Bond is expressing the view, entrenched in his society and ours, that partnered sex will always supplant masturbation. In their book, How to Understand Your Sexuality, internationally recognised researchers on sex, gender and relationships, Meg John Barker and Alex Yantafi, observe that, quote, the culture in which we live and grow up has a massive impact. For example, solo sex has been seen at different times in history as an important outlet for our energies, as the cause of disease and death, as a morally suspect activity, and as only a kind of practice for the real thing, end quote. Non-binary Bond fan Barker says, quote, solo sex is always depicted as lesser than the real thing, and people who enjoy it are seen as questionable, childish, selfish, or abnormal. The need to populate a place with people who believe the same things you do is at the source of many religions' prohibitions of male masturbation, Using semen for anything other than procreation has often been viewed as a sin. In Christian cultures, for instance, masturbating is sometimes referred to as the sin of Onan, named for the episode in which a chap chooses to spill his seed on the ground rather than get his sister-in-law pregnant. The Catholic Church still condemns masturbation as mortal sin on a par with homosexual sex. Unsurprisingly, female masturbation is even less approved of in religious circles. In a 2014 article for Christianity Today, Jordan Monger noted that while, quote, it's refreshing to finally hear women talking about female masturbation, too often the conversation doesn't overcome the unhelpful stereotypes about the female sex drive, or lack thereof. Time and time again, Christian leaders explain that women masturbate because they want to fill a void or have attachment issues. These emotional generalizations fail to get at the real problem. When men talk about masturbation, or at least what I have heard and read, everyone pretty much settles on the basics. It's hard to practice self-control. It's hard to resist indulging in lust. Really hard. Few men try to psychoanalyze the process. End quote. There's no hint in Die Another Day that Moneypenny is attempting to fill a void or has attachment issues. 
and although her session is interrupted by Q, she exhibits no shame. She's simply having an uninhibited good time. That's the Allies done for Die Another Day. Next, we're on to the villains. Just what is going on with Gustav Graves? And is Miranda really as frosty as she first appeared? <laughs> 